Welcome back to the Post-Sermon Reflections podcast. It is a joy to be with you. Uh, We record on Sundays right after um, the service, and it's always sweet to reflect on all that God has said and all God has spoken uh, to his beloved body here, and we pray that it is an encouragement to you. I'm here with a dear friend and a brother in Christ, Ben. What's up, Ruth? What is up? Um, Ben is one of my coworkers. It's always a joy to work with him, and I love having conversations about what God is saying to us with him throughout the week. And so this is just a joy to have him. I'm going to have him kick us off with just a recap of the text that Pastor Brennan spoke on today. So hit us with it, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit you with it. Hit me with it. Um, so today's we were in John chapter two uh, with Jesus performing his first miracle. So this is Jesus entering this, his um, ministry. And the first miracle of seven that he'll do in the book of John. And so this one is him um, making water into wine at the wedding of Cana. And so just like jumping into it and you're like, wow. Okay. So his first miracle is turning water into wine at a wedding. Yeah. And it feels like an unplanned miracle. And the rest of them, you're like, oh, Jesus is about to do something awesome. And you're almost seeing him almost be nagged into this miracle. Yeah, which is very interesting. And so uh, Pastor Brennan began by just opening up the historical cultural context um, to better understand this miracle and like really what's going on and seeing what a marriage and a marriage ceremony was in the first century Jewish culture. And so for this, this husband is the one who's responsible for running the wedding. And it's a week-long event that he is responsible for providing wine the entire week. Yeah. And if he doesn't have the wine, if he doesn't have enough, it's act actually shameful upon him to run out. It actually shows that he can't provide as a man. Wow. And so this isn't just Jesus being like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll just make some water wine. He says, no, like he's actually meeting someone in their shame and he's yeah. overcoming shame. And we, we were seeing that in the beginning of his ministry. And so we see that story, how Jesus fills up these massive jars um, with one, these massive jars of water he turns that were for Jewish rites of purification. He turns into wine mm-hmm. so that the joy of the marriage ceremony can continue. And we know that all points to the joy in the marriage ceremony that we all have in Christ one day. Oh. So that's a quick recap. But if you haven't listened to it, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that before you continue on this podcast. Yeah. Some of the main topics that were covered is shame and then our marriage to Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And I I was sitting and I was listening and I think Benny probably felt really similar. Just rejoicing in the fact that no one can take away the mm-hmm. cleansing that Christ gives to the believer. Yeah. That when I am presented to the Father in white, that white has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And I can rejoice and say, I actually can't dirty myself. Mm-hmm. Meaning when I accept the forgiveness of my sins through the cross, I get to, I'm clean. Yeah. And I, in my head, it was just like over and over again, just thinking like, I am clean. Man, like the the things that I've done in my past, they matter because they've been paid for. But where I sit right now is as a cleansed daughter of the King, yeah, the bride to Jesus, and that that's just oh man, it it really was like it was like overwhelming to think about today. Um, I'd love to hear just some takeaways um, that you have from this sermon. Yeah, I think um, the the topic of shame really, I think would be my biggest takeaway. And just like thinking deeper into that of how how Christ came to like pay for our shame. And I think that often in the culture that we live in, the way that a lot of us grow to understand the gospel, uh, we think of it in very in a guilt aspect. Like we, we understand the guilt of sin, what sin communicates guilt as we've done something wrong, but that Christ actually pays for our shame. Um, and, I think, and I think that really popped out because we wear our shame 
or we hide from our shame. And Christ is literally saying like, let go of that. Because mm -hmm. like, not only has he paid for the guilt that we have, but he's also paid for the shame. And so the gospel, the deeper we go into the gospel, the deeper that the gospel frees us from the shames that we all hold. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. It's so interesting because I think we, we were talking about previous to this, that we don't live in a shame on our culture yeah. in our current moment, but we almost see the cancel culture coming back as a shame on our culture of like, we're deciding, man, that's good, that's bad. Mm -hmm. And we're experiencing people shaming others for certain actions that may or may not be shameful. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, like the canceling of things done in the past and ignorance. People are then saying, oh man, you should have known. You're like, how could we have known? Yeah. How could we have known that that would be important 25 years later, depending on the location of where you got married or a statement that was said at the time that was like, yeah. totally appropriate, but 25 years later is not appropriate. And it's and in that, it's like, oh man, shame is really centered on what other people perceive about us. Yeah. It's completely outward. And so when we think about shame, I always think about like the voice of shame. Yeah. What does the voice of shame say others are thinking about me? And so when you look at your own story, what do you feel like the voice of shame has said in your own story? Yeah. So the, the voice of shame of like, it's, it says that you're not good enough, mm -hmm. like that, like that you're dirty, that you're unclean, right? I think the voice of shame is saying that, and like anybody who's listening to this right now has like a laundry list of things that they regret. Mm -hmm. um, and not only do those things hold guilt within themselves, but when other people know about those things, you feel shame. Yeah. Like you feel some type of way, some type of humiliation, um, regret um, because of how people perceive you, because you care. Everybody cares about their image. Yeah. And like you care, wow, if people knew that about me. Yeah. Oh man, like that's that's rough. Yeah. Um, and so the thing is, is like you carry that shame because in the in the Christian life, like there is the temptations of the devil. There's like the the things that the devil wants to continue to remind in your mind. So the story of shame is that you're not good enough, mm -hmm. that you're dirty, that you're unclean, um, that you're not who you say that you are. Yeah. Right. You're saying that I stand with Christ. And, you're, and the voice of shame saying, that's not you. Mm -hmm. I guess in my own life, like that's been, like I had to go through that whole story myself. Like there's things from before I was committing my life to Christ and following Christ that I'm like, oh crap, I did that. I said that. The worst thing, I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that, wow, Ben, like you're you're a whacked up person. And I, I said that stuff and I did that stuff with those other people. So those other people see me that way. Or, yeah. or these certain people know, like my family or my friend know that about me. Yeah. And so that, it's like when you're in Christ, it says that in 2 Corinthians 5, that you're a new creation, that the old has passed away. Like, be behold, the new has come. Mm -hmm. But what the voice of shame is saying like, oh no, that old's still there. Yeah. It's like that old's still real. Like that's still somewhat a part of you. And that continues to creep back up. Yeah. Yeah. We see the reality of the already but not yet within our story real. with Christ. Yeah. Because we recognize like, man, the sin tendencies that are in my life are still present even though everything's been paid for. Yeah. Like that's a hard reality for me when I think when I think about shame of like there is still sin obviously I struggle with. If you didn't know, Ben and I neither of us are perfect. <laughs> and you're listening to this yeah. and you laugh obviously, but you're listening to this and you're saying the reality that I'm going to still struggle with sin mm -hmm. makes me think that shame is right. And so the conversation is like is shame right? We don't think so because its voice isn't drawing us into Christ. Meaning we like sure. have to navigate, man, when I hear the voice of shame, is that 
is that voice. Serious talking to you a little bit. She's trying to talk to me. My watch is trying to talk to me. So if you hear that in the recording, my bad. It's uh, the world that we live in that your watch is talking to you. Really. That's, <laughs> that is true. That is tough. Not I'm not I'm not seated at the wedding at Cana. It's a little bit of a different picture here in this office. A little jealous. Uh, oh my gosh. But thinking about like what the voice of shame is saying to me is often it's accusing the finished work of Christ. It's hmm. saying, man, did Jesus's sacrifice actually cover that? Yeah. Or do you need to still be whipping yourself for that? Yeah, That's the difference because there are things that I am ashamed of, rightfully so, because they're less than the glory of God. Sure. But what I get to do is when I have those feelings, I get to bring them before Christ and say, Christ, what have you done with this? Because actually you've done it all. I just get to yield and submit to mm -hmm. you. And typically, like when we when we have shame, it's because there's wounds that we're not yet healed of. Mm -hmm. Like that that's the big thing is like when we think about wounds that we undergo, like all of us like in our own life will like be like scarred and be stabbed and be scraped through the sometimes by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like through the through the burdens of the Christian life, right? And so and through the burdens of life, period. Like that's that's life. Like life is suffering. Like suffering is not something that we can take out of this life. And even the Christian life gives meaning and purpose and understanding to suffering, but it's not like suffering's like not in it. Um, so what shame does though, is when we, when we experience shame is because we typically haven't had healing actually from those wounds mm. that we need healing from. And so when you think about a wound, right? When you think of something that you have, it's like, okay, if you have healing from it, like you're willing to show it, like, cause yeah. that's a scar. And scars prove that you're healed. Like scars prove that like there's been a work that's been done on you. Like you look, like there's something about you that you carry, but you're healed. Like that's not, that's not affecting you anymore. But like open wounds are nasty. Like we don't like, like how they be perceived. Like you want to put yeah. a bandaid over those things. And typically like we could be paid, we could give our life to Christ. Like we can be bought by the blood of Christ. We can be trying to follow Christ, but there's parts of our life that are still open wounds mm -hmm. that haven't like experienced healing and we just cover those up because to show them is to show ugliness and to show something that's rotten yeah uh, when in our christian life like we need to go into the wounds and we need to let the gospel penetrate those wounds and experience healing yeah because then like those wounds just prove that you've been healed yeah because then you can you can show like hey i i i've gone through this like this is my wounds but like Christ, this is what christ has done in my life it's not what i've, I've mustered the strength to it's like no it's literally what christ has done mm -hmm. and what christ can do for others yeah. So that, that is a different understanding of like what shame does yeah. and how you perceive shame as a Christian. Yeah. And so looking at our past, there's almost, there's two, there's two ways we can take things. Mm -hmm. We can be ashamed of something. So therefore we hide it. Which yeah. Is what we see in the garden or we can accept what Christ has done and then we testify of it. Mm -hmm. Those are our responses to the sin of our past or the sin of our present is to say here, we are going to either repent of it because either way we need to repent. Yeah. So when we repent, we can experience either saying, I repented, but you know what? I'm going to carry the shame of that. Yeah. And I'm going to hide that from others. I want no one to ever know yeah. about what I've done. Or when we repent of it, we say, Jesus, I actually want to see this transformed so that this can be a testimony of how you've saved me. I think of almost Paul being like, I am the chief of sinners and him talking about what he had done in the past. And he said like, like I, I stood by <laughs> as Stephen was being stoned. Um, I persecuted Jesus. Yeah. That's being transformed mm -hmm. to testify, to say, look what I've done. Look how supreme Jesus is. Yeah. 
is in the salvific work of my life. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's hard. So like why, here's my question. It's like, so we see that there's, there's two opportunities, like on the other side of Christ and the other side of repentance, like your laundry list of sin, or even think the things that you hold, that you hold tightly as like the most shameful things is like you either can experience healing on the other side and show that, or you can not experience the healing in the gospel and hide it. And like, you're, the thing is like, those are the two options because one thing is like, if you experience the healing, if you're truly healed, you're going to show it. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you've truly experienced that wonder working power, literally it produces fruit. It will, it will show itself. And then no one's stupid enough to, to highlight a thing like <laughs> that. It's not not, healed. That's not healed. Yeah. Right. Like no one, no one is going to ever do that. And so yeah. those are, those are the two options. Ruth, why do you think so many people lean towards hiding it and not experiencing the freedom? Oh, that's a doozy, brother. <laughs> uh, that's a doozy. I think there, there's layers to that, and I, I can only talk from my personal yeah. testimony. So I won't, I won't pretend that I am a scholar of receiving Christ's healing. I am just someone who has had Jesus heal some really painful parts of me, mm-hmm. and He's continuing to heal some really painful parts of me. Um, we sometimes want to shortchange our healing process to say, "Man, I just want you to heal." what's outward and what affects others, but I don't actually want to change any of the inward parts of me. So like, here's an example for my life. Yeah. I'm a big people pleaser. And you're like, Ruth, we know. <laughs> we watch you run around <laughs> church. We're aware that you're a people pleaser. Me being a people pleaser is something that serves my flesh, but other people like it about me because it gets them what they want and it gets me what I want. So I want their affirmation and they want me to do whatever they want me to do. So, like, here's, a, here's an area yeah, of, like, yeah. my sin affects my community. It affects my community in that I don't always invite others into work because I want to get the credit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lay out some, some of my dirty sin right now. And sin that, like, the world doesn't look at and say, that's nasty. The world looks yeah. at and says, like, ah, out of the things she could deal with. But let her we'll deal with that one later. But I can look at my life. And I can see some of the nasty sin that people pleasing has produced. Yeah. And people can look at the nasty sin and say, man, oh man, that's gross. Mm -hmm. And they're like, just get rid of that. But I'm saying if I never deal with the fact that I want to honor man more than I want to honor God, then I'm not actually dealing with the parts of me that are really causing damage to my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That are really going in. So if I just say, hey, I just want to deal with whatever the the sexual sin I may have, or I just want to deal with um, the lying that I do to cover up my stuff that affects other people of my gossiping, because that's all produced out of people pleasing. Divisiveness, everything's produced out of that. And there's obviously other things it's produced out of, but that's it. those are some of the fruits that have existed in my yeah. people pleasing. And so if I just look at that and I say, Ugh, I'll just deal with what affects what other people see. Yeah. And I never go into the part that's actually like wreaking havoc in my relationship with Jesus. Cause I say, if I ask him to forgive the parts that affects everyone else, mm-hmm. I'm still just people pleasing in the midst of even seeking forgiveness. Yeah. And so there's real heart change that has to happen when we actually ask Jesus to change every part of us to be more like him. And that's a really scary request because it's a request that says, actually everything's on the table. Jesus, you could change anything. Mm-hmm. If my sense of humor doesn't honor you, you could change it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. everything needs to be on the table. And it's going to be painful yeah. when Jesus pulls out 
yeah. parts of us that we don't particularly dislike yeah. that aren't of him. So like we, we can't or we don't experience the freedom of shame because it hurts sometimes too bad. Like we're, we're afraid of what it will hurt and what yeah. it will cost to experience that freedom. Because the ripping of, off of the Band-Aid. Exactly. If that's what you were trying to get me to. The ripping off of the Band-Aid. Not necessarily. Is, but I was curious. Yeah, yeah, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Is a painful process. Meaning when we actually lay bare yeah. before Jesus, there's very real vulnerability. Yeah. And very real challenge. Yeah. That's there. I know that the times I've actually prayed, seek me and know me. See if there's any wayward part of me. It's a terrifying prayer For real, from yeah. Psalm 139. Yeah. That's the last, right? It's the last verse of Psalm 139. I think it is. You guys can fact check me on that. Um, and I think it is. When I've prayed that, scary things have come up. And I don't say scary meaning like, oh, uh, you should avoid it. I say scary of like, there's very real parts of us that we're just hiding. Yeah. Because we don't want people or God to deal with them. And God clearly sees them. Yeah. But when he brings that to the surface, we can either say, next, just something else, anything else that this. Or we can say, oh, wow, he, you really want to deal with this. And yeah. I'm going to submit. Like, it's it's the knife. It's the pruning. Yeah. Like, the, like surgery is going to happen. And if anyone has ever experienced surgery, they know getting the scalpel is not a comfortable thing. And healing oftentimes takes the surgeon to come in and cut away what is broken so that real healing can come. Yeah, and that's, and like that that pain and that challenge, it's like, it holds many back. It's held me back, for, you know what I mean? Like, and it still does. It's like, cause you, you do think in like, even the context of shame is like, we care what other people think about us. And yeah. so oftentimes, like what it means to experience freedom is to actually share like that thing with other people. Yeah. And so like, cause this kind of freedom of shame is one done in community. Yeah. It's like one that involves other people, right? And so the pain that that caused, we'd say, oh, I don't think it's worth it. Or like, we just like, that's that's like too much. I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, that's the very thing that Christ is actually calling of us to yeah. do. Like, that's like truly what repentance is. Like what repentance is, is like the ability to turn from your sin. But the thing is when you're, when you speak that and you say that in community and to other people, like you're being, you're associating yourself with that. Like that's the wretch that I am. Yeah. And like, you might be able to admit it that yourself, but you can't own it and repent of it enough that you, that like you're okay with other people knowing that about you. Yeah. And I'm not like trying to fire shots, but like, that's like, that was like my own life in terms yeah. of like, I, there was sin that was like really deep in my life. And it took like multiple years to recognize like, yo, like I had to. I had to say this. I had to confess this. Yeah. And like slowly be like somebody I really trust. And I like started there and I was like, I think I'm gonna share this with this friend and this brother. But then like, it's just, but then eventually it's like, it's like worked to a spot where it's like, okay, I'll say this to anybody. Yeah. And like, it was that growing process, but each layer of like opening that up to new, mm. new people is like hard because it sense like, in some sense, I need to associate myself with that because yeah. I need to take ownership. Like, yo, like crap, Ben, like that's, who that's, I that's associated with that. Like that's viewed in a certain way and that was who I was. Yeah. And that's just like recognizing how filthy of a sinner you are, which then in turn actually helps us better understand the gospel. Because when we go deeper into the honesty of our pit that we are in, we can understand that the gospel, Christ sees us there. Yeah. Right? Like Paul says in Romans 5, 8, like while we were there, 
Like while we were as as a as a filthy wretch, like that's actually when Christ died for us. Mm. Not not this version of Ben that like happens and he cleans himself up. It's when we were wretch that Christ saw us and died us and raised us to be with Christ. So good. And so like that vision of going, we have to go down before we ever go up. Mm. But the promise is that like if we humble ourselves to go down in repentance, like Christ says that he will be the one who delivers up. Christ is the one who who frees us from the penalties of sin. So if we're willing to tear off the band-aid, like Christ is gonna like work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and like fill that wound and stitch and stitch that wound so we can experience healing. Mm. Yeah. It's the spiritual poverty. Yeah. That it talks about in the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Um it's Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the point spirit. Yeah. In recognizing man, I uh I need to recognize my humanity. Mm-hmm to rejoice in God's divinity yeah, in the work that he's done. Everything that I need to recognize, man, I really, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a total goofball, a goofball through and through, incapable of not being a goofball without of the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And obviously I say a silly word because we often, we say a wretch and we can sometimes just, it gets put in that spiritual category. So whatever that word is, that's reality for you. That thing you don't want to be referred to. I'm an adulterer in the heart. I'm I just, an idolater. These days, I've just been telling young adults and youth, like, you just got to tell yourself you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that is. Whatever you're afraid of being. <laughs> yeah. Man, you probably are that. And Christ has redeemed you from that. Yeah. Like, to me, to say, like, I'm a whore in my heart, whoring away from mm-hmm. what God wants. And I say with extreme language because my heart longs at its base level everything that is not Jesus. If Jesus did not come and radically save me. Yeah. And like, even like, to back your point, like in the Old Testament, like God's covenant people, when they walked away, God literally called them a whore. Yeah. 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 And it's just the reality of saying like, without Jesus, nothing good. Like nothing good. Even the goodness that people see in me is my own sin trying to find a way to brand itself better so that I'm what? A better dead person than other dead people? Like that's that's the reality of everyone without Christ is dead. And they're just trying to put, pastor used to say, they're just trying to put makeup on a pig. Nothing makes a pig prettier. (laughs) Like you are just putting makeup on a corpse. Yeah. And like it's dead. No matter how much makeup you put on a corpse, it's a corpse. It's not living. And the radical work of Christ is that he makes us alive. And we get to say, I once was a corpse that did those things. Yeah. And it's hard because like I sinned as a believer in ways that I'm very ashamed of. But the same truth of the gospel is real. Yeah. Even if I knew Christ and I sinned, the same gospel that saved me when I didn't know him as a child saves me and works in me as an adult who walked away for a portion of time and was radically brought back. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that, go- that same gospel is true. And so when we say that if we're letting shame rule in our lives as believers, it's because we're not taking a deeper look in the gospel of like the gospel is at work yeah. in the life of a believer. It is the same gospel that saves us. It's the same gospel that sustains us. And it's yeah. the same gospel that keeps us. And it's the same gospel we're going to rejoice in when we're at yeah. the wedding at the end. Yeah. Amen. It's the- we get a little fired up. We're a little fired up in here. If you can tell. <laughs> like the gospel it's the it's because it truly is good news because like what Christ has done is to present us as His bride, as what we talked about in the sermon, and like He will He like paid for our sins to do that, but He ongoingly is working in our hearts to make us more like Christ, so that when when we reach our eternal home and we are perfectly washed clean, like we are standing as one to our like living for Him, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like he, he really wants to work in this way. And the temptation is like, because it's challenging, because repentance is hard, it's like we, we lean away from that. Because at the end of the day, like repentance is hard. Like you're saying like this world, like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like grab hold of Christ. And so like oftentimes what we do instead is we just like take the name of Christianity to like get out of hell. Mm. And because we believe God's real and God exists, but we never actually like have a life conformed to him. Yeah. I know like one person, he said like, like taking the name of Christianity and like believing him in your head, maybe even in your heart too, but not having your life transformed by him is like saying that you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. Like that, let's say, oh, I look like the player. I'm like wearing the uniform. Does that mean I'm on the team? It's like, no, it's like, cause you, and like, that's the challenge of it. But like, I think we just need to remember like what we're talking about here. Like we're talking about like eternity, mm-hmm. like literally time without end, like with the presence of our father, mm-hmm. where like every tear is wiped from our, he- our eyes. And we have a perfect relationship with God that we enjoy for eternity. Like Guys, this life is like mist of dust. It appears for a little time and vanishes. Like that kind of mist of dust. Like imagine like that car driving through the dirt and just that dirt that pops up behind those tires and then falls. Like that is our life. Even if we live to 80, 90, 100 years, like that's dirt that comes and goes. Yeah. But like we're talking literally about eternity. Mm. And so this challenging of repentance is challenging. Like it is a real thing. It's not easy to turn. It's not easy to, to tear the bandaid, but we have to remember like, why are we doing this? What are we striving to? It's like, cause Christ is saying eternity is with me. Like you literally can have perfect life, eternal life with the God who created you for relationship for eternity. Mm. And that needs to be our vision as we go through, honestly, pulling the band-aids of shame in our own life. Yeah. That's so good. I want to get really practical because I think we talk about shame in ways that feel really impractical. And we say like, oh man, shame is this, 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 or mm-hmm. just get at, just like say no to it. Just like say no to your shame. You're like, people are like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> um, the when I think of shame in my life, I do think of it being transformed into testimony, and that's a long process. Yeah. And the what started that process for me. So if I think of my most painful moments of my sin being revealed to me, and then revealed to my community, <laughs> and then having to be repented of in to Christ and then repented of within my community. The process that it looked like in my life, and I'd love to hear if it looked different in yours, is that sin was revealed. Christ brought it to the surface. We don't have to go digging. Don't you worry. He will reveal it to you. (laughs) And he revealed my sin. And he said, the invitation, daughter, is for your sins to be forgiven. Will you confess? And so I repented of my sin. And then I confessed first to my sister. And in my sister, when when I confessed to my sister what I had done, my sister looked at me with the face of Jesus and said, I love you, I forgive you, but more than that, Christ forgives you. So step one for me was going to a fellow believer and asking them to proclaim the gospel Mm -hmm. to me, which is that Jesus forgives my sins Mm -hmm. when I turn to him. And so if you have a trusted friend who you know knows the gospel, because that's how they ought to respond. And if you are a trusted friend, when someone confesses sins to you, it's your responsibility to say that they're forgiven in Christ because that's the truth. If their heart is turning to Jesus, proclaim it over them. They need to hear that you love them. But more than that, they need to hear that they're forgiven. Yeah. Because that's liberating. And from there, I started saying, I need to walk in the forgiveness that's been given to me. And little by little, I would tell the next person I needed to tell. And the next person I needed to tell. Yeah. And it gets easier. Because the bonds of shame start falling as we yeah. tell the people who we think are going to be ashamed of us. 
So I ended up having to tell my dad. And then I had to tell my pastor. <laughs> and I had to tell some friends. And that's painful. I said I had a I had a pretty it was pretty public sin, so I needed to deal with it. Yeah. But I don't say that if this is how it, it works in everyone's life. But this was what exper- what I had the most shame in. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I walked in that process until I'm at the point that I am now, where if someone came to me and asked for my testimony, I can rejoice in the fact that Jesus has yeah. cleansed me from this sin. And it's not even a hesitation. Yeah. To tell them of the finished work of Christ in my life that I may still have areas that I struggle with it in, but I've been cleansed. And so that's like, so like the ability to speak at the end and the ability to speak of that in testimony, obviously it may not always be wise or the best situation in which to say a certain thing, yes. but the ability to share that you're on the other side of that and speak confidently in that. Yeah. I think is the mark of that youth. The shame is gone on that. Yeah. Because the shame is that you're willing to say like, yeah, I'm saying this and I'm not humiliated because Christ has paid for it. Yeah. And Christ, I think, I think that's real because I think real practically, like I know for me in my journey, I think I was like, I remember watching like a Christian YouTuber and he was like talking about this issue. And I was just like, how does he, like, why does he speak about that? How does he say that with such like, that's pretty like open thing. Like, how is he just going to go on YouTube and say that to most random people who he doesn't even know and be able to like associate himself with that? But I really like, realized when I was watching, I was like, wow, this guy's like free from that. Like, he really believes Christ paid for that. Yeah. And that, like, to me, set the vision. It was a very similar. It's like you tell one person in a small community, but the ability to at least get, eventually get to a spot, you're like, yeah, I can, I can say this. Yeah. Because Christ is the one who brought me out of that. Yeah. And I would say, like, I don't want you to act like that happened in a weekend. That I went from confessing yeah. to my sister to being able to testify. It actually happened in a year and a half. It's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. And so for the listeners saying, like, I could never imagine telling anyone, start by writing it down and then pray and say, God, who am I supposed to tell this to? Yeah. And then when he gives you the opportunity and you seek out the opportunity, have courage. Yeah. Have courage that when we confess one to another that we're healed. There's healing promised in confession. And so rejoice in that. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. Guys, remember that as you write that down, as you as you confess to somebody else, like, yeah. like tell them that. Like take that promise that you, when you confess, like you are forgiven. Yeah. And like speak that over yourself and have speak that over others that's what christ does yeah and we look at jesus first miracle was a liberation yeah of shame it's him looking to the cross knowing that the work that he was going to do he was going to free us from sin he was going to pay for our sin but he's also going to pay for our guilt and our shame so that we could enjoy relationship with him now and be awaiting the wedding feast where we are in white because of what he has done with us and there's no shame and uh to end it to end it off brennan pastor brennan um in the sermon, he goes back to where the roots of shame in Genesis 3 with the fall. Mm-hmm. And in the fall, in their shame, they ran from God. Like, that's what shame is. Yeah. It's actually running from God. Yeah. So they ran and they hid behind f- the fig trees, the trees. They clothed themselves with fig leaves. That's what it was. Yeah, Thank you. Good. They clothed themselves in fig leaves, but they, they ran off of God and they say, I, I was naked and like, I was ashamed. Like they recognize their shame. And so they ran from the presence of God. And so even as we pull off this bandaid, what we're actually doing is we're running to God. Yeah. And so we're actually being in the presence of God and we're seeking God. Yeah. And so even that vision of wanting to know God more is going down to go up. Mm. That's so good. Will you pray us out? Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you are good to us, that you're kind to us. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us in our sin and our shame. We thank you, God, that you have paid the price for our sin and for our shame, Father. I pray for those who are listening to this, who as we speak about shame, as we speak about things that we are embarrassed of, like, oh my goodness, we can't share with other people, God. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at, God. I pray that you would give clarity to our hearts, God, of what that thing is, oh Father, and I pray for deliverance from that shame, Father. Lord, we know that's only through the power of your Holy Spirit and through Christ, oh Father. So Lord, I pray that through Christ, you would give them the, the freedom of the shame that they carry, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would search our hearts, help us reveal what is that shame. And Lord, we thank you for Christ that he frees us, Father. Lord, we thank you that even if it is hard, even pulling the band-aid hurts in our life, oh Father God, I pray that you would meet your people, meet your children, care for your children, shepherd your sheep, oh God, as we go through the hard process of sanctification, Lord. And Lord, may our hearts and may our vision be towards eternity, which is our eternal home. Lord, that is what you made us for, and we long for that, God. Help us long for that more. Bless us in our week, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben, for a great conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we ask that you would share it with a friend. But we also ask that you would subscribe so you will automatically get a notification when we have another podcast. They, are, they come out about every Monday, and we're so grateful for you.